got a few things I want to share with you this morning. I'm always uh, excited to be here and visit with you guys. It's extended family, and it feels like uh, coming home when we're here to visit. Um, have you ever been in a season of, in your life where you're doing the right thing and you fell into a hard season, right? Ever, ever been there? You're doing the right thing and you got in trouble? Have you ever been in a season where... Um, you were maybe, you know, doing the right thing, but you were careless, and maybe you fell into some trouble there. Or maybe lastly, you were just living selfishly, and you fell into a really, really difficult season. And I think a lot of times, uh, we can all identify with each one of those scenarios. Yes, we can, all, we can all say that we've been there. And a lot of times, when we get in those hard seasons, we... We try to avoid the pain and come out of that, but the pain is there to serve as a corrector. The pain is there to serve as a correction. And a lot of us have this theology, this mindset, this doctrine that because we're part of a church, we love Jesus, that we're just little baby lambs by the river of life, and we never have any hard times ever in our whole life. But the reality is that we are growing in a tough season. Tough seasons make us grow. Amen. All right. So can you find yourself in one of those three scenarios? Can you, maybe you're in one of those moments now, right? The, the point of all of it is really not the front end. It's the middle. It's like where you are currently now. That's where we want to lean in this morning. And as I take this text, I want to remind you of something that was really funny to us earlier in the first service. And I thought, man, it's going to kill in the second service because the second service is always my favorite. Right? Don't don't tell the first servant. <laughs> Y'all my favorite. I grew up in the time when we got corrected by getting our behind whooped. I'm gonna say it over here to this side. I <laughs> I grew up in a time where if you messed up in school, you got paddled. You see how some of these young people are like, what is paddling? Well, let me just tell you what is paddling. <laughs> You had to, if you got in trouble, the, it was either the PE teacher, the football coach, or the principal had a wooden board with a handle on it, and my principal drilled holes in that rascal. And they would take you out in the hallway. They would leave the door open. You had to put your hands like this here. And they would tell you, poke that booty out. You got to poke it out. You can't stand like this. You got to poke that thing out. And they would flop, three licks, three licks. That would be your first whooping. And then when you got home, you got your second whooping. And we all tried to hide the first whooping so we wouldn't get. How many of y'all think we need to bring the paddle back? Mm. If you can't remember the last time you whooped your kids, go home and whoop them. Because they have done something that you don't know about. It, they are due. That's right. It is the, the y'all can edit all this out. It's fine. It's, it is the pain. It is that pain that is a corrector. It is, it is pain. It is a powerful motivation in our life. 
to avoid pain is the most powerful motivator that we can have. Did you hear what I just said? The avoidance of pain is the most powerful motivator that we can have. But there are three scenarios that I mentioned when I started that maybe you can identify yourself in. And this morning, I want to walk through a story in the scripture. And if you know the Bible, as soon as I start taking this text, and I'm going old school, I'm taking the text, right? Uh, We're going to read the scripture this morning, and you're going to find yourself somewhere in this story. And hopefully, by the end of it, you're going to walk out of here empowered and encouraged. And I believe God's got something powerful for you this morning. Are you ready for this? If you are, grab your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Some of you already know. Acts 16, verse 16. We're going to start reading. And it'll be up on the screen if you want to follow us. As we were going to the place of prayer, there were many, excuse me, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and Silas, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Somebody say many days. Now, read with me this very next sentence. Say it. Paul, having become... Stop right there. Did it say Paul being led by the Holy Spirit? Did it say Paul, after days of prayer and fasting, felt... No. He was what? Greatly annoyed. That's... Well, in your own heart, say it however you would say it today. He was mad. He was aggravated. Have you ever been in a season of great aggravation caused you to do something that there were repercussions for? Let me say it this way. You ever lost your temper? Well, y'all some holy folks, man. I'm telling you right now. You ever lost your temper? Well, I know, Pastor Wallace. Shoot. He can't fool me. I've I've seen some of y'all's Facebook. (laughs) I've seen it. When the election was going, oh, my bad, my bad. (laughs) Can't go there. Have you ever ever lost it? You were doing it right. You were okay. But then a moment, you lost your temper. And this is crazy. This, This rascal, he lost his temper, and he caused a demon to come out of somebody. That's crazy. We lose our temper, we cussing somebody out. (laughs) There is a difference. You judge it your own self. But this is what happened. There was a great annoyance, and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. Now, there's something I want to point out really quickly. A lot of times in the Scripture, whenever someone is being oppressed or possessed by a spirit, there's some sort of action where he's throwing himself in the fire. You all remember that? The boy is throwing himself and frothing at the mouth and all this other stuff. And, you know, and, and you find these different moments. Here is one, and I think it's the only one, that I can remember, there's, I'm sure there's others, but this is the only one I can remember where this person is just acting fine but just causing the man of God to be annoyed, right? Just causing an aggravation. And he says, come out, and it came out that very hour. Let's keep reading. But when her owners saw their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews 
and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore, listen, tore their garments off and gave orders to beat them with rods. They did not get a speeding ticket. They did not get a fine. They got their behind whooped. They got beat with rods. Ooh. Having received this order, excuse me, let me back up. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stock. So draw this picture in your mind for a moment. They're doing the right thing, but in a moment of aggravation, Paul does something and it creates massive blowback. It creates a serious problem. And I can probably imagine if, if we can just be honest with each other, we can have a human moment together, can we? Can we just talk like normal people just for a second? What do you think was going on in Paul and Silas's mind? Paul was thinking, well, this, this escalated quickly. <laughs> this was, uh, whoa, I didn't expect all this. Have you ever done something and immediately regretted it? And it just created for you a bunch of problems. You remember the first scenario we talked about? You're, you're doing things the right way, and all of a sudden, boom, there's an issue. And you're like, man, I didn't mean for this to happen, right? Now, we're about to go somewhere in this story, and I need you to, to just give me a little bit of leniency here because this is where this portion of the story stops, and there is another part of the story we're about to get into. And I don't know how much time there was that went by, but in this amount of time that is not talked about, I just want to just ask you a minute, how have you acted in the middle of your trouble? Can I tell you what I do that I have discovered about myself when I get into these moments that... I've been wronged, or maybe even I've done something wrong, I begin to have these fantasies in my mind. Are y'all ready for this? I start having these fantasies in my mind that I'm sitting on one side and the people who are upset with me are on the other side of the table. And in this moment, I am just delivering the most heartfelt argument about why I'm right. And then after I've said everything that I would never say in real life, they look at me and they're like, you're right and we're wrong. I have found out about me that I like to be justified. I have found out about me that I like to be right. Am I preaching to you this morning? I'm telling you, I like to be right. I don't like to be wrong. I want to be proven right. Right? Anybody else have that moment where you just have these fantasies that you were just letting them have it? I just need to let this cook a minute. Y'all are there. Some of y'all, y'all are like, mm-hmm. Are you thinking about all the things you would say? Yeah, right. Some of y'all getting breakthrough right now. We ain't even got to the good part. Y'all, let me stay here, Pastor, a minute. This is too good. Can you imagine Paul is probably looking at Silas because the Bible says nothing about what Silas did. Silas is getting his behind tore up because of what Paul did. Do you reckon, now we're talking like brothers and sisters this morning. Do you reckon that he got in the prison and was looking at Paul like, 
You just had to rebuke the devil, didn't you? You just, <laughs> look at me, I can cast the devil out. Look at me. Like, I'm, look at this here, Paul. Look at this. Look at all this. You couldn't keep, we, all we had to do was just keep walking, Paul. That's it. Can we just, for a moment, these men were close. I don't know if they did that or not. I probably would have said something. I'll probably be like, dude, I, I'm with you, serving you, and you had to do it. Now I'm in trouble with you. Can I tell you what oftentimes we do? We get caught in this moment of time that the Bible here just kind of leaves out. We get caught in this moment of time that I found a lot of times I'm steady pointing the finger at somebody. I don't deserve to be where I am, so I'm pointing the finger at you. But there is a moment in time here that Paul and Silas come together, and it's called midnight. And midnight is not, in this story, in, 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 this, um, in this context for you this morning, it is not just midnight on the clock. It is whenever your soul and whenever your mind steps into what I'm about to share with you. That there is a moment when you stop pointing your finger at everybody else and you start looking at yourself and the situation that you're in in that moment. And this is how you start working your way towards breakthrough. You say this, I am where I am now, owning where I am, what am I going to do from here? How am I going to move forward from here? What is the next step that I take from here? How do I progress from here? And this is what Paul and Silas made a decision to do. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Now listen, if you are still blaming, you haven't got to praying yet. It maybe, maybe you are still waiting on midnight to come because you are calling out people in your, in your dreams and these, uh, the, these fixations, these fascinations, these fantasies of you and the other people, and you're still trying to prove yourself right. How many of you go to bed having these conversations in your mind? How many of you are just tormented by that? Hey, listen, can I, can I just testify? I, I do that. It's hard to get over some things, isn't it? It's hard to get over some stuff. But you know this, if you are praying, you are this close from singing. And, and the moment you stop blaming and you step over into praying, just know you are this close from singing. And some of y'all ain't had a song in a long time because you were steady blaming, but you've got to step into praying so that you can get over to singing because Paul and Silas made a decision. I don't know what the conversation was. Maybe they were blaming each other. Maybe they were mad at each other. Maybe there was a moment where Paul and Silas were just at each other, but somebody said, bro, we are where we are. What are we going to do with where we are? And all of a sudden, there was a moment where they got back on mission, where they got back on target. They got back in a place where they said, if I can't do anything else, I'm going to do what we've been doing this whole time. You've got to go back to what you no works. And about midnight, they begin to pray and sing. 
There is a song coming for you. There is a song that's going to come out of you from this season that you're in, and it's going to be powerful, and people are going to hear it, and they're going to think, where did this song come from? It came because you suffered. And see, some of us try to avoid the suffering, but songs don't come unless we suffer. We don't like to suffer, do we? But in that moment, that's where we grow. In that moment of suffering, that's where we become, right? Is that right? Just elbow your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you this morning. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And what does it say next? And the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners heard them. Let me help you with something right here. Somebody is listening to your moment. Somebody is watching your moment. Somebody's watching how you suffer. Somebody's watching how you walk through disappointment. Somebody's watching how you walk through heartache. Somebody is watching how you handle yourself whenever you're accused and accused wrongly. Somebody is watching how you handle yourself whenever they lie about you. Somebody is watching how you walk through a breakup. Somebody is watching how you walk through a bankruptcy. Somebody is watching how you walk through those seasons. And baby, there is a testimony in how you walk through those moments. And I think why maybe there was just a little bit of time given here before they start talking about this great breakthrough session that's coming is it gives us an opportunity to recognize the human moment in this story. Because when we hurt, we hurt. You ever been around somebody that's hurting? Guess what comes out of them? Man. The prisoners were listening to them. And I'm going to read the next two words in verse 26, and then I need to tell you some stories. Are you ready? Verse 26 says, and suddenly. Now, before we get into suddenly, I need to testify a moment. About four or five days ago, I forget exactly how it was, I was in a really good spot. It was early morning. I woke up, and you ever had one of the mornings where you wake up and you you're warm in your covers and you put your hand out from under the covers, it's freezing cold. And you're like, ooh, I'm going to shrink back into my covers. I just stayed there for a little bit, man, and I started praying. And me and the Lord just had a really good moment, a session of prayer right there. And God just started reminding me of some things. And I felt so impressed to remind you or, or to tell you the things that God reminded me of. So, all right, we have a little testimony service because we don't forget, we're about to talk it about suddenly. We're about to talk about some suddenly moments. Are you ready? My dad was a pastor, and for many years he, he pastored. And there was a season where we left our church in Mississippi, and we uh, were living in North Georgia, a tiny town called Somerville, Georgia, just north of Rome. And my dad didn't work in that season. And we were really struggling for financially, and there was a knock at the door one day. And I remember going to the door, and I opened it up, and the UPS driver was there, and he had a little uh, package and he was kind of tapping it on his fingers, and he, he said, is Mr. Wallace here? I said, yes, sir, I'll grab him. And Daddy came to the door, and because I was young, I was nosy, so I hung around in the kitchen looking, wondering what was going on. And this is what I heard him say to my father. He said, Mr. Wallace, this package, when I loaded my truck this morning, was not on, was not on my truck. 
He said, I can't take it back to the, the place. I'll get in trouble. I don't know what this is, but I can't take it back. I'm just going to drop it off to you. And my dad said, okay, and he grabbed it, and we took it in there. It was the most beautiful handwriting you'd ever seen. It almost looked like it was just printed off. The cursive was just so perfect. And cursive is a fancy way of writing for all you teenagers and youngers. Y'all know they don't teach cursive no more? How they going to sign their name? They going to stamp their forehead on it? My God. Y'all need to learn how to write your name. My word. You see, there's something wrong with me because I'm upset about that. You know, write your name, write it in cursive. Okay. Oh, bless her heart. Teach that child cursive. She don't want to learn cursive. And daddy grabbed that envelope and he walked over and he <laughs> almost lost everybody. Didn't I? He opened that thing <laughs> and he said, he started crying. He held his head back and he just started crying. And he turned it over and he just dumped out fresh, crisp, sticky, new $100 bills. If y'all don't know what that means, cash, when it's new, it sticks together. Y'all know what I mean? And there was just $100 bills coming out of that thing. It was, it was a moment for us that we didn't know where it came from, but we knew where it came from. And I could already hear somebody saying, oh, well, well, somebody stopped the UPS man and said, here, just take it. I don't care where it came from. It showed up at the house. It was a, it was a suddenly moment for us. I'm going to tell you about another time. Heather and I were, were early in our ministry. We actually lived up in um, uh, Ball Ground, just north of Ball Ground. What's north of Ball Ground? Jasper. Ooh. Hillbilly's up in Jasper. Oh, you hear that? Oh, he lost money in Jasper. I heard that. He's lost money in Jasper. He's like, oh, <laughs> I'm just playing. Did you lose money in Jasper? Okay, no, I'm just kidding. So we lived up in Jasper, and the church that we were working for, this is not a made-up story. I had accepted a position there as the executive pastor, had already agreed on the salary, the whole thing, and we were getting our moving truck, and the pastor calls and says, we have... Um, had a catastrophic financial event, and we can't hire you. And so I hung up the phone, and I looked at Heather, and I was like, babe, what are we going to do? And I just, I had a dream, right? And I looked at her and said, baby, we're going anyway. And we went to that church, and this ain't even a part of my sermon. We went there, and every single month, I'm not making this up, every month, we moved into that apartment. I went down there to tell the manager of the apartment I didn't have rent. And every month I walked in there, I'm telling the truth, and I, I walked in there and the lady, but she'd see me coming and she'd shake her head and I walk in the door and she said, Pastor, somebody paid your rent already. And I turned around and walked out. I'm telling you, I didn't have a paycheck for months. Isn't that the truth? That's the truth. We was on food stamps and everything, but bless God, somebody paid my rent. Isn't that right? Yes, sir, buddy. There was one particular moment in that season when we were up there. We were on E in our car. We were had no gas. And we're still talking about suddenly moments, okay? I, I have come to encourage you this morning. That's what this whole thing is. So be encouraged, right? So this morning, uh, we, we got up and we were driving from Jasper all the way to Marietta on E. Thank God it was downhill, right? So we, were, we went down there, and, and I don't know if you know this, but like when guest preachers and stuff come in, like back in the day, they used to take up an offering. They'd take up the church offering, and then they'd take up an offering for the brother who's going to preach or sister who's going to preach, right? Well, and so if you can't figure it out, like we walked in the room, if it was a lot of people, I'm thinking, ooh, we're going to get a money. I walked in that place, there was nine people. 
Somebody say nine people. On a Tuesday night, it was rough. We walked in there, and, and, and I'm not making, this, is, this sounds made up, but this is absolute truth. I was preaching. Y'all want to hear my illustration I had? <laughs> it's it's going to be uncomfortable, but then it's going to get better, okay? As I was preparing for my sermon, I was preaching on David and Bathsheba and how he looked at something, he thought it was cute, but there was bondage in there. Well, when we got married, somebody gave us, like, as a gag gift, some fuzzy handcuffs. See, here's the uncomfortable part, right? Okay. <clears throat> Man, I feel that. Thing. Y'all need to. Okay. Well, here's the point of the. the... Y'all know the fuzzy handcuffs? Okay. Did y'all know there's real handcuffs underneath the fuzzy? And that's the thing. Like, sin looks good for a moment, but when you put them things on, you are bound up. And David looked at something he thought was right, but he got caught up in something, didn't he? And, y'all, I'm preaching this to nine people. And there were real handcuffs. And the whole illustration was when you peel back the fuzzy, there's real bondage in there, right? And so it was only nine of us, so I called. I'm talking about suddenly seasons, right? I called all nine of them down, and I handed them the handcuffs. I was like, you know what? We're going to be breaking bondage tonight, so just, just toss them down as a, as a sign. You know, it's just nine of us, right? Let's just drop them say, I'm done with this. And we went through this whole thing, and at the very end of the line, there was this beautiful woman down at the end, and she had her little boy. And I got to the little boy first, and I said, can I pray with you? And I'll never forget it. He said, can you please pray for my mommy? And I handed her them handcuffs, and she's just crying. And I said, we, we're just going to do the same thing. Just drop it. Say, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm over it. And, y'all, she lifted them handcuffs up, and she threw them handcuffs down. And whenever they hit the floor, and we're in a building that's like 800 people could fit in there, and there's nine people. And she dropped, she dropped those things, and when they hit the floor, they exploded into a million pieces. And y'all, it felt like a wave of glory came in that place. And the energy was just building and building and building. It was wild. It was, I was like, oh my God, we have in church right now. It was powerful. At the end of the service, I walked to the back and people are coming out. It was a short, you know, exit. There ain't but nine of them. But she came out and, and she said, I'm on the run for my life. She said, I'm from New Jersey or New York or something like that. And she just told us, she said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an escort. I'm a professional escort. And she said, I'm running for my life. And because I've left, they're trying to kill me. I'm trying to keep my son and myself safe. Tell me God can't use fuzzy handcuffs. Get out of my face. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And, and y'all, that's, that ain't the miraculous. That is miraculous. But that ain't the, even the reason why I bring the story up. We were in such financial need. We were on E. This woman's getting delivered, and we're still on E. Right? And here, here my brother comes, this little thin, little sad little envelope. And he hands it to me, and I put it in my thing, and somebody takes us out to eat, thank God, at Carabas. <laughs> yes. And he filled our tank up with gas. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And on the way home, we're going up 575, I think it was, and I handed the envelope to Heather. And this is my beautiful wife right here. She's so smart. And she's counting the money. She counts it out. And it was, I don't know, $300. I can't remember exactly. It was a lot less than what we needed. And I was like, oh, my God, are you sure? She said, I'll count it again. And she counted it, and it was more the second time than it was first time. I said, which one is it? 
And she said, well, I don't know. Let me count it again. And it was more the third time than it was the two times before she counted. And now I'm like, are you messing with me? Like, what are you doing? And did you count it one more time? She counted it again, and it was more that time. And finally, I pulled off on the side of the road, and I said, give me that money. (laughs) And I counted it, and it was more than what we needed. And y'all, listen, we are educated people. We know how to count. We know how to count. We know how to count, I promise you. You can't make a $700 error. Do you know what I'm saying? And here's what I want to tell you. And I told that story one time, and somebody in the back was like, why'd you stop counting? You know. <laughs> you know. You, you, got, you got that one guy. Like, yeah. You got that one guy. You know, he's got to be funny. Right? Got that old bad spirit. <laughs> and I can, I can tell you that I've seen the envelopes that I've seen the miracles, and I've seen money multiply in my hand. I'm telling you all of those things because I know that God still works. He's not done working, that he is still working things out for your good. But here's the thing. Had we never moved, we would never have known that he could do it in our hand. If we had never, whenever that guy called and said, we've had a catastrophic event, we could have just canceled the moving truck and stayed right there, but we've never had a story. And there's some of us that have lived so safe that we've robbed the stories from our life. We have robbed God from the opportunity. We want to be the one that creates and and takes care of our need when he is calling us to live in a place where he's the one that takes care of our need. I just got to take a time out. When's the last time in your life you've just really truly had to push all all the coins in in the middle of the table and just bet big on Jesus? When's the last time you've just had to step on in in faith? What you create, you have to maintain. But what he creates, he has to maintain. And see, there's sometimes we get caught in a season where we're trying to maintain what he's created. And it ain't going to work like that. And, and see, I feel like sometimes we get in these seasons where there's the possibility that a story could be, but we spend way too much time blaming Paul for opening his mouth. We spend too much time in these seasons of, of blaming, and God is like, stop blaming and get to praying. Because when you get to praying, you're going to get to singing. And when you get to singing, you're going to get to suddenly. And let's, let's talk about suddenly just for a moment. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds was unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul, here's Paul redeeming his foolishness. He cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
Here is what you need to hear. You thought this whole story was about Paul delivering this girl from her spirit of divination. But this whole entire story is about the jailer. This whole entire story is about him. Let me tell you one more story before I move on. Are you ready? I'm almost out of time. Y'all got to listen quick. In Savannah, Georgia, there was a pastor. His name was Ken Hall one of the greatest men I've ever met. Oh, I'll put it up here. Thank you, baby. Pastor Ken pastored a, a very large church in Savannah, Georgia. And as the story goes, um, there were some people there in his church that, well, <clears throat> you know the church people are the worst, right? <laughs> well, amen anyway. Uh, <laughs> If you didn't say nothing, you might be who I'm about to talk about. Okay. All right. So church people are crazy. And anyway, they, there was something going on there. And I mean, like the FBI came in, like infiltrated the church, trying to get dirt on this man. Do you know what I'm saying? It was bad, right? And all they could find was that there was a mishandling of some tax stuff that he had happened years ago. I mean, who in here hadn't done their taxes exactly right? <laughs> you know you didn't count all that mileage. I'm just telling you right now, you know you didn't. Pastor Ken went from a very esteemed place. He got arrested and was sentenced to prison. And whenever Miss Patsy took him to prison that day to serve his sentence, she took a Bible and she said, here, baby, you're going to need it. And he looked at her and he said, I don't want that. Have you ever had a human moment where you're just so disappointed that you were where you were? Pastor Ken walks into the prison. He gets put in his cell. And day one, there's these two men that walk to his cell and say, Pastor Ken, would you come and do a Bible study with us? He said, no, not doing any Bible studies. Have you ever been so disappointed that you just walk away from what God created you to be? Day two, they came by and said, Pastor Ken, would you come and do a Bible study with us? He said, no, I'm not doing Bible studies. Day after day, Pastor Ken was approached by these two men. They said, Pastor Ken, would you do a Bible study with us? And he said, no. And one day, his guard, after months, his guard came by and said, Pastor, do you know why these two men come by and ask you to do a Bible study with them? He said, no, I don't. He said, these two men got saved in this prison by watching your TV show on that TV down there. And whenever they found out that you were arrested and you were being sentenced to prison, they wrote to the judge and asked for you to be sent here so that you could do Bible studies with them. See, sometimes trouble for us really ain't trouble for us. Sometimes the trouble we're in is because God knew he could trust us with a trouble season so that he could put us in a position to touch who we really need to touch. 
And there's a lot of times, y'all, we are steady arguing at Paul for opening his mouth instead of stepping into praying and singing like God called us to. And we're missing the whole reason why we're in the trouble that we're in. We're missing the whole reason why we're in the situation that we're in. Because God didn't call you for you to fail. He called you. And if you trust him, trust him to lead you in the places that you don't understand. Trust him to lead you in the season that makes you mad and angry. Go ahead on and trust him, even though you got stripes on your back from doing the things that you should have been doing. And trust him on anyway because he ain't failed you yesterday and he ain't going to fail you today. Just trust him right on, right on to every season because in due season, Pastor Ken, as the story goes, and I'm telling y'all, I hope I don't mess this up, but David knows the story, so if I miss it, correct me, that every single person in that prison gave their life to Christ while he was there. Now ask me this, was the trouble worth it? And we think that Paul and Silas, we think this whole story is about the earthquake and everybody being set free. But this story is about the jailer. This story is about him. And if you go on to read, that night he got baptized and his whole family got baptized. See, trouble wasn't just for them, but they were bleeding and baptizing somebody. Do you hear me? They were wounded and baptizing somebody. And some of us, when we get our feelings hurt, we won't even lift our hands and say nothing. But you got to learn how to bleed and baptize. You got to learn how to hurt and keep moving on anyway. There's a suddenly season that can happen in your life. Are you going to be strong enough to be bleeding and baptizing at the same time? Can you sing and bleed? Can you sing and pray and worship even though you're bound up? Can you do it anyway? I'm going to tell you what's on the other side of that. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching how you struggle. Somebody's watching how you serve. How are you going to lead them? Mm. Oh, I'm two minutes. Can I use my two minutes? I, I shared this story last time I was here, but I got to share it one more time. My beautiful wife that you see sitting up front was 24 hours away from dying a few years ago. Doctors told us that she would never see again. Doctors said that her um, optic discs were so destroyed that she would never see. Even with repair, even with surgery, that she would need a C&I dog and her life would drastically change. And I would love to tell you that in, in one moment, God healed her completely and it was just miraculous. Nope, it was a gradual thing. It was a gradual healing and it took time. But she sits here today and she can see better than me and you. And this is my favorite part of the story. In Chicago, we went to Rush University, and we put the pictures up of her damaged eyes, and they took brand-new pictures of her eyes in the hospital and put them up. And Dr. Schwecka, she stepped back, and she said, this is, these are miracle eyes because these eyes don't look like these eyes, right? And how many times are we trying to get out of the trouble that we're in, and God needs us to stay in our pain a little bit longer because we've not intersected yet with the person. We've not intersected yet with the moment that he's trying to get us to. And I can tell you, family, whenever you suffer like my wife did for months and months and months and months and months, you start seeing what really is in your heart come out. 
Mm. You can go ahead on and come up here and slap my wife in the face if you want to, but you're going to see what's really in me come out if you do, right? Go ahead and, and, and push me a little bit. Something in there will come out, right? I want to go back to the first part. Now, y'all, the, the first service didn't get this because y'all my favorite. I'm giving y'all this. Paul was aggravated and he responded with authority. Paul was wounded and responded in prayer. And Paul was set free and responded with grace. How are you going to respond this morning? Some of y'all have been aggravated by the same old demon for a long time. It's time to turn around and say, it's over. Some of y'all have been hurt and wounded for a long time. Go ahead and call the clock midnight and start praying and singing. Some of y'all have been set free and you're judging people because they ain't on the other side yet. Call them to join you in that faith. Will you do it? Will you do it? Come on, stand on your feet with me this morning. Now, we're just going to take a a moment here. This is for you. This is not for me. This is for you. Okay? We're about to pray, and I'm going to pray for you, but you need to be doing some praying for your own self. Amen? And there's some decisions that need to be made in here. Do you feel that? Challenged this morning? Are you challenged? Are you encouraged? Because I'm nobody, and God did it for me. He'll do it for you, right? Come on, yeah. And when you walk out of here, y'all need to be expecting some suddenly stuff. You know, hey, can I tell y'all what happened? Pastor Mark called me a few days ago, and I'm telling you right now, I was going through, I was walking through something. Mm. And I told him what I was walking through. He's so good. I love Pastor Mark. And he said, I'm going to pray for you. And I was like, well, thanks. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I need you to go bury some bodies. I don't need you to pray for me. I need you to get a shovel. You know what I'm saying? In about two hours, he called me, and he said, I was praying for you. And he said, this is what I feel like the Lord told me. And I think I need to share that with you. Is that okay? He said, I felt like the Lord told me, you can't take the miraculous out of this. And if you try to do this, you will fail. But if you let the miraculous happen, and what does that look like? You get up every single day and you do what you're called to do. You let him be God. Don't put pencil to paper. Don't try to figure it out. You just do what you're called to do. And this is what he said, and I might throw this microphone at one of y'all. He said, if God, you remember when Jesus and them and his disciples needed to pay taxes? You remember that? Y'all need to read y'all's Bible. Y'all remember that? He, you know what happened? He told them to throw the nets out, and when they caught the fish, there was a coin in the fish's mouth, and they paid their teeth. He said, if God can tell the fish to pick up a coin off the bottom of the ocean and hold it in its mouth until it gets caught by a net, he can surely do this for you. And I just came by to tell you a few days ago, I was reminded one more time about when I didn't have 
nothing. God came through. God came through every single time. And for you standing in this room this morning, I want to just remind you that God is going to come through for you, that you put your faith in him and you're going to start seeing the miraculous, the suddenly start happening in your life. How many of you want to see a suddenly season in your life? Come on, lift your hands with me this morning and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for some suddenly that's going to start happening in these lives. I thank you for some suddenly that's going to start moving. Lord, I thank you for increase in areas that have a deficit. They're about to have an overflow. Lord, I thank you for bodies that are being healed. I thank you for relationships that are being healed. Lord, I thank you that we're going to stop blaming people and we're going to start praying and singing again. Lord, I thank you for a song that comes out of suffering. I thank you for a prayer that comes out of suffering that shakes the foundation of the people that I'm around and they're set free because we suffered, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're giving us grace for this moment. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to this place. And thank you, God, that you're not leaving us in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to make this thing known to us. And we're going to know why we're in this season in just a short day from now. Give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Do y'all feel like y'all been to church this morning? When you walk out of here, start looking for suddenly. When you walk out of here, start looking for it. When you walk out of here, start throwing some nets. Start checking some fish's mouths. When you walk out of here, you just believe that God's going to do it for you. Amen, somebody. Well, may God bless you. May God keep you. There'll be people here that want to pray with you. If you need prayer, you can come down. We'll pray. We'll do the whole deal. But God bless you guys. Have a fantastic Sunday. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Revolution.